Well, good morning. It's good to be here, and uh, I am aware that there is a big game coming. And so uh, I'm going to do my best to keep the time of my sermon short. In order to do that, I'm going to borrow some uh, football uh, tactics. And so anytime I step over here, we're going to stop the clock. Uh, anytime I mention a passage that isn't directly on the paper, we stop the clock. And for no apparent reason, once we get to the, about my last point, um, we stop the clock every 15 seconds. Uh, I think if we do that, it'll end up being like a 15-minute, 20-minute sermon. Um, uh, maybe less. I don't know. Um, who knows how long a football game really is. Um, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the chance to be here. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for the opportunity to praise your name and to be fed by you. I pray that you would help us to learn what we should from your word, that we would learn to rely less on ourselves and more on you, to be more patient with you and uh, to wait expectantly to dwell on your word and on your presence and on Uh, your purposes. Be with me as I speak. May your people be lifted up and may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is uh, the second time we are looking at Matthew 4, 1 through 4. And we've already heard a great sermon by Pastor Todd on uh, the temptation of Jesus. And we're going to be taking just a little bit different angle on Uh, what's going on here, and particularly today, what I want to look at is how does this apply to us? And I brought in the text of John 15, 1 through 9, to to help bring out the idea of of overcoming the first temptation, which is, as I've put it, the the temptation of self-reliance. We saw last time uh, Jesus was tempted to... Uh, listen to the words of Satan, who said, look, you're out there in the wilderness on your own. God has left you. Uh, Now, granted, those are not explicit in the text, but the temptation was there. Jesus, God hasn't fed you for 40 days. You're on your own. If you want to eat, turn the bread or turn the stones into bread. Just have something to eat. Jesus, of course, didn't. Now, Satan may have been thinking 40 days is a a good number. I could get get Israel to rebel in 40 days. You remember the story of Israel. They had heard God speak. They had uh, received God's word. And uh, at the base of Mount Sinai, uh, they were terrified. Mount Sinai is about the same height as Olamana, and after four, uh, they sent Moses up there. They said, Moses, we cannot bear to hear God speak. Go for us. Moses did. He went, and Israel said something to the effect of, Moses is gone. What happened? Uh, did God kill him? Uh, maybe. Aaron, uh, we've got some gold. Make us a little calf so we can worship that calf. Now, meanwhile, again, 
Moses isn't that far away, and the presence of God is there. Israel rebelled. Took 40 days. Satan's goal uh, with Jesus, probably something similar. Get Jesus uh, to give up on God, to do it on his own strength and on his own uh, terms. And so Satan comes at Jesus at the moment when Jesus is at least on the surface most vulnerable and says, turn the bread or turn the stones into bread. Now, Satan made a fatal flaw in his reasoning. He assumed that Jesus was alone, and he he assumed that Jesus' trust of his father's love could be shaken. He assumed that Jesus' agenda was not one and the same with the father's. And so, of course, our Lord Jesus is able to answer Satan to overcome temptation, to look at Jesus and say, or to look at Satan and say, no, uh, I'm not going to do what you ask. Uh, Bread isn't everything. Instead, I am called to obey my father and to wait on him. We're in the month of February. Uh, I won't do a show of hands, but January 1st tends to be the time where we all say things like, I'm going to do this, where uh, for some reason there's a a spike in uh, purchasing of Nordic tracks and uh, elliptical machines, and uh, we decide things like, this is going to be the year. This year, I am going to spend enough time in the Word. This will be the year where I decide that You know, last year I didn't do it. Okay, I'm going to make a resolution. I'm going to spend time in the Word. It's going to be different this year. And maybe you did that. Uh, Maybe you're starting to feel guilty. Enough weeks have passed that uh, starting to realize this year really is the same as any other year. and maybe you're having a garage sale and selling Nordic tracks. Uh, (laughs) But one of our temptations, and it comes in various ways, is to, particularly with the Christian life, decide that we are going to rely on our own strength, that we are going to make resolutions, that we are going to do things um, in our own strength, in our own way. Satan knows that, and he would love to derail us by any means he possibly can. As Jesus was tempted to turn aside from reliance on the Father, so we are tempted to go it alone, to try to live by our own terms, by our own goals, by our own strength, not delighting in the Father, not delighting in Jesus, but instead trying to just Uh, do it, to get it done, to make it work. This brings me to kind of the second point of my sermon. First point for those who are are taking notes is just kind of a, a recap of what's been going on with Jesus. Second one is the temptation itself, the temptation to rely on ourselves. The potential sin here is that we turn away from the source of life, and by doing that, 
uh, we find ourselves dry, we find ourselves empty, and we find ourselves defeated. It's so easy because self, uh, self-reliance is such an American virtue. Uh, and as Joel said to the children, there are some things that it's good to do on your own. It's good to be competent. It's good to know how to clean your own room. Uh, some of us are still working on that. Um, but there are things that it's good to do. But when it comes to uh, being a Christian, there is absolutely no possible way that you can be a Christian by yourself. Uh, it just doesn't work. Uh, so much so that Jesus says in uh, John fifteen six, in one of the texts before us, that if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you try to be a Christian on, on your own, and Christianity, by definition, is following Jesus, then you can see that uh, it just doesn't work. And yet, we're tempted. We're tempted to make things work. We're tempted to do things on our own strength. We're tempted to give up on the timing of God and have our own agenda for when things should happen. Satan said to Jesus, effectively, spend 40 days. Jesus, you know, God should have fed you by now. Uh, give up. Uh, Jesus had uh, the trust in his father to know God wasn't going to leave him there forever and never feed him. Uh, but we are tempted at times to give up because we haven't received a, an answer to prayer, because we haven't uh, seen the result of something we've done or prayed for happen. And we shift from trusting in God to thinking, I should be able to do this myself. I shouldn't need help in this. Or I really need to do this by myself. God doesn't care about this. And if life is going to work out, sometimes you just have to do it on your own. Or perhaps a a slightly more uh, pious answer, you know, sometimes Part of the Christian life means you have to stand on your own two feet. And some, we can't expect God to hand us everything. Or maybe we think something like, well, normal people can do this. Why can't I? In each of those things, we're tempted to give up on God, to take things into our own hands, to try our best to turn rocks into food doesn't work. Point three, the sin itself. The sin of turning from God to self-reliance. Jeremiah 2 puts it this way. He's talking to the Israelites, calling the Israelites back from a life of sin, back to uh, fellowship with God. Things are not going well. The, The Babylonians are are at the gates virtually. Jeremiah 2, Jeremiah says this, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. For Israel, the problem was they had turned from God and were worshiping false gods. 
They stopped trusting that God would protect them. They stopped trusting that God would provide for them. And they started turning to, to Baals, to Ashtoreth, to various other gods in antiquity. For us, we may not be tempted to, to rely on a foreign god, but we are tempted to rely on ourselves instead of the one true God. We are tempted to try to be fruitful on our own. As much as Jesus was tempted to use his own power for his own gain, we are tempted to try to flourish apart from the vine. Jesus has some words to say uh, against this kind of thinking. And first, uh, if we do not remain in Christ, he says we will not bear fruit. Now, I've heard many times that this has to do with conversions, that when Jesus says, uh, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit, what that means is if we're Christians, we're walking with him, particularly if we're spending time in the word, then we will help others become Christians, and we will see others become Christians. I've become convinced that that's not quite the right way to look at this, that that's certainly one aspect of fruit. But I'm convinced that what Jesus is talking about is life in the Spirit, or put another way, that the fruit he talks about is the fruit of the Spirit. What Jesus is saying is if we do not remain in him, we will not bear fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, to 23, what are the fruit of the Spirit? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, the joy of salvation and the effectiveness of a life in the Spirit. Now, what would that mean if we were trying to live a life through our own strength or for our own terms? It would mean that we would not see love in our life, that our joy would decrease, that we wouldn't have peace, that our patience wouldn't be quite what it should, that we would have a short temper, that we wouldn't be as kind or as good or faithful or gentle as we should, that our self-control would waver. I think if we're honest and we look at our own lives, that may hit pretty close to home, that we can see that certainly when we are dry spiritually, that's where it hits us. That if we are not walking with the Lord closely, we have trouble being patient with other people. We have trouble being kind because we do not have an abundance of joy bubbling out of our hearts. Self-control becomes more difficult because we're living for our own ends. Uh, Like I said, I suspect you know what it feels like. I, I certainly do. As we become dry spiritually, we become vulnerable to other temptations. Our relationships crumble Certainly our relationship with Jesus crumbles and our life stops having uh, the aroma of joy and peace 
and we wither. Now, as I said, uh, Jesus has something else to say, and there is a warning in this text, too, in verse 6, that if we persist in this, if we persist in seeking to live outside the vine, then we will be cut off. I do want to give a word of comfort. One is that uh, earlier in this very text, Jesus says, verse 3, already you are clean. If you are a person who is seeking Christ, you do not have to live in terror that you are going to be cut off and thrown into the fire. Uh, I believe what Jesus is saying here is that if if you persist on doing things on your own, if you abandon Christ, uh, then really you were never in the, the vine to begin with. You were never a Christian to begin with. Um, and certainly we do need to be conscious of our need for Christ, of, of needing to seek him, but that terror should not be part of our lives. If you are in Christ, you are saved. You are already clean. Uh, and the the uh, the goal for us is that we seek to be in Christ, so that we share in His life and His life bears fruit in us. So, what is the remedy? Point four of the sermon for those taking notes. What is the remedy? Well, Jesus answers Satan with the words, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Uh, And John uh, quotes Jesus as saying, abide in me and I in you, verse 4 of John 15. Uh, And again, uh, in verse 7, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. Verse 5, the one who abides in me will bear fruit. Now, it's tempting to go from here and say, okay, I'm not going to rely on myself. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a resolution to spend half an hour every morning in the Word. Uh, I am going to pray 15 minutes more uh, this week than I did last week. Uh, And this, this time, I'll get it right. Tempting to want to quantify this and say, if I spend 15 more minutes in prayer, then I will bear 20% more fruit. Uh, Doesn't really work that way. Doesn't really work that way with our human relationships. Um, You don't, uh, hopefully you don't, uh, think, well, if I spend uh, 15 more minutes talking to my wife, to my family, whatever, well, then I'll get uh, some kind of return that I can, can be happy about. just doesn't work. Neither is that what I think Jesus is telling us. Uh, he's not telling us that we need to adopt some new form of legalism that is better than the old legalism that we were trying. Uh, it is living by the word. Man does not live by bread alone, but lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Uh, Jesus is saying something a little more complex than 
uh, Satan, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by having quiet times uh, throughout the week. Though that's part of it, again, we want to avoid following into the very trap that we're trying to avoid in the first place of relying on ourselves and seeking to seek God in our own strength. It, uh, doing that will result in more guilt, more frustration, more opportunity for Satan to whisper in your ear, look, I told you I couldn't do it. Let's go back to those stones. Uh, think about the bread again. Uh, do this on your own. And so if it's not a legalistic seeking of God that we should try for, does that then mean that we just sit back and let things happen? Well, it's not quite that either. For Jesus, living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God meant that, yes, he spent time with his Father. He spent time in the Word, and he knew his Bible. Uh, he relied on his Father in, for provision and for strength. He prayed to his Father constantly. And he trusted that his Father would provide. It also meant that Jesus knew that the Father's uh, goals, the Father's purpose, was his own purpose. And living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord means that Jesus was aligned with the Father's purposes. For us, it means the same thing. Again, spending time in the Word is a huge part of this. Uh, and it's not always going to look the same for each of us. For some of us, it means that we have lots of time, and we can sit down and we can have extended times in the Word. For others, it might mean you've got a lot of traffic You've got a CD player or an MP3 player. Uh, listen to the word on, on CD, on MP3, uh, on tape if you've, you're driving an older car. Uh, it means meditating on the word, that what we've read, we're thinking about throughout our day, throughout our week. We're calling it to mind. It means that we're aligning our priorities with kingdom priorities. Uh, among other things, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what it means, that we seek God's kingdom first, and then that's going to affect all of our other decisions. That means that we don't rely on our own own understanding or strength. And one of the, the difficulties of internalizing Christianity is that there's a paradox and an irony to success in the Christian life. In most things, you succeed by working hard and you, you get a payoff. In Christianity, you succeed by uh, absolutely falling on your face in defeat of your own sin and weakness, and you say, have mercy on me, a sinner. It means that we say, I can't do it. And as Paul said, uh, Paul, who was one of the great apostles, 
had a thorn in his side. Uh, you can read about this in 2 Corinthians, the tail end. And Paul pleaded with God, saying, take this thorn out of my side. And we don't quite know if this was something physical, spiritual, emotional, uh, but it was something that he felt was a hindrance. And God said, no, I'm not going to do that, Paul, but here's what I'm going to tell you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Being part of the vine means admitting that we need the vine. It means understanding that in every aspect of our life, we don't have what it takes. It means understanding that we are going to fail a lot, but that our fruitfulness, that our success as Christians, if we can even use that term, relies not on us, but on the Spirit working through us and out of us and in us. Now, one of the things that we can't do, and I wish I could, I wish I could say, okay, so the way we do this, we, we start on this, and by Thursday afternoon, you should, you should have this down. But maturity in the faith takes a lifetime of discipleship, and even at the end of it, we don't have it all down. It is not instant. It is a, a daily pattern of falling before the cross, of praying for our need. But there is one thing that I can say based on the word of God. Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus talking about prayer, about asking. And he says, you know, how many of you who ask your, your father for bread will get a stone or a scorpion? In the same way, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, the father will give and the promise we have is not that we will become mature overnight, but that if you pray for fullness of the Spirit, then based on the authority of the Word of God and the trustworthiness of the Father himself, he will answer you. We can't do it by ourselves, brothers and sisters, but... We don't have to, nor are we called to. We are called to remain in the vine, to not rely on self, but to rely on our Father and on our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let us abide in him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you acknowledging that we are weak. We come to you acknowledging that our own, on our own, we are empty. We acknowledge that when we try harder, we often fail more spectacularly. And there are times when we are ashamed when we are plagued by guilt, when we feel defeated. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. 
cause us to to grow in maturity and to bear much fruit. Use us for your kingdom, for your glory, and show us your love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.